From the stormy skies above Hoth to the ice crystal caves below the surface, you are listening to Star Scavengers, a Lego Star Wars podcast with a focus on the Freemaker adventures. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with my co-host, Jonah Marie Macias. How are you doing today, Jonah? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you? Genius. Genius? <laughs> oh, man, why didn't I answer that with genius? <laughs> <laughs> I was setting you up. <laughs> well, I wasn't quick enough for it, that's for sure. I'm still in an emotional state, you know, because of this episode. Yeah. It's dramatic at the end. Yeah, it did get a little dramatic, and we are going to talk about Showdown on Hoth. We're going to do a full episode review, but before we get into that, we actually have a really exciting interview. Very exciting. Very exciting interview. We're only on episode eight of our podcast, and we already have somebody on the inside. Roger. Roger? (laughs) We're interviewing Roger. (laughs) That would be so cool. (laughs) And he's stuck and he can only say genius the whole time. He can only say genius. (laughs) So what's it like to work with the Freemakers? It's genius. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping for like a really solid Roger impression there. Oh, no, I can't do that. (laughs) Robotic voice and all. My son was, we were rewatching the episode tonight, um, as I usually do right before we record. And my son is now starting to imitate the characters. And so he, he's starting to do kind of a Roger impression. I'll have to see if I can get it on video. Oh, that'd be so cute. <laughs> but yes, we just talked about an interview and we didn't say who it was with. Uh, but we do have an interview um, that we are going to play the first part of this episode. Uh, it's probably about, I think it's like about 25 minutes, mm-hmm. um, something like that. And it is actually with Carrie Beck who is the Vice President of Animation Development at Lucasfilm, and she is also a producer on both Star Wars Rebels and the Freemaker Adventures. So we got to talk to her, and we are going to play that interview for you guys right now. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Carrie Beck. So how's everything going, Carrie? It's going very well. I bet it's very busy. It is very busy. There's a lot going on with multiple shows. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so first off, we all want to know, how did you become a fan of Star Wars? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it just feels like it's something that happens to you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know that there was ever uh, a decisive moment. It just sort of feels like it was a presence in my life when I was young, and it's something that you love, you know, obviously loving the movies growing up, and then as you grow older, and and the bonds that you have to those stories and to those characters, I think only grow over time, right? And I don't think that the timing could be better, just given, you know, my age during their release, and then in their, uh, I guess, in their home entertainment run, in VHS and otherwise, right? I think there's so, the reason in my mind that so many of those movies from um, the late seventies and the early eighties get so much love is because at that time you could actually own them and take them home with you and watch them again and again. And I would have to say that that probably has a lot to do with it. You know, I think it's interesting because I don't, I don't have that history of of playing with the action figures in the same way um, that I know a lot of my, a lot of my coworkers, a lot of my friends have more in that sort of, costume, bedsheet, Princess Leia emulating kind of a way, not so much about, you know, owning my own AT, <laughs> AT you know, um, 
and I guess that makes it a little bit different, but going through that and then, you know, obviously going to see the prequels. My cousin's actually, I forget which Star Wars line documentary. I forget which one he's in. He's in one of them. Um, and uh, he actually got the tickets for all of us. <laughs> he's the one who stood in line for all of us. So I won't claim, I won't claim that credit, but, you know, it was a, a really big thing for, for all of us. And um, it was a film student at that time. And so going to those movies with my cousins and all of our friends who were, who were studying movies together. And then obviously I started working during the time that, you know, that uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith came out. I was working in uh, Hollywood by then. You have been able to make the transition from being a fan of Star Wars to actually helping create Star Wars. Um, how has that been for you and how has it kind of changed your, your personal fandom? Well, I think one of the things before you take this job, you have to, I guess it's, it's worth saying that when you work in entertainment sometimes in the process of working on any particular project, you can understand that knowing too much about something might spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so before I took this job, I looked at my husband and I asked him, I was like, I think I can do this, but I'm really worried. I, and, you know, I, I didn't know all these folks at Lucasfilm, all these wonderful people there. And, and there's always a little bit of like, oh my gosh, what if I ruin this for myself? What if I learn something I don't want to know, right? Or what if I have some old version of something that ultimately goes away but, and what we get is so much better? How can I make sure that this process doesn't destroy the relationship that I have to this franchise and to these characters? And so I think that it's the responsible thing to think about, which is, okay, so when you actually get to play in it every day, it does also come with the responsibility of everybody else out there who's a fan and doing right by them and making sure that you don't screw it up or you don't do something wrong by it. And I think uh, that definitely weighed on my mind going into this, which is, you know, you like to think when you're a fan of something like, oh my God, it would be my dream to do that thing. But I can't imagine anything worse than not being able to love it anymore. And Mm -hmm. thankfully that hasn't been the case. Yeah, I'd feel so much pressure if I I were you. (laughs) In your role, um, is there... Is it something where you have so much visibility to everything that's coming up that you're that there's not any surprise anymore? Or are there still some some areas that you're not involved in where you're still able to find that you know kind of surprise when you see new things? I think one of the one of the the nice things and one of the really exciting things is you know as part of the story group we do get that visibility into everything, but because there's so much going on at all times, it's always wonderful when you walk into a room or you hear something or something that somebody else is doing that has some relationship to some work that you're doing. And, you know, for me specifically, it would be if, you know, when you find out somebody's working on something that has a relationship to something in your show, or you know, even getting to talk to people who you don't work with every day, but are members of the team or members of, I think, Lucasfilm at Large or other storytellers that you meet, and they are really excited and really responsive to something that you've worked on it's it's really it doesn't get old (laughs) I guess I'll say that (laughs) (laughs) so we have a few young listeners who tune into our podcast and who may not know much about the role of a producer so what are some tasks and responsibilities you take on as a producer of the Freemaker Adventures well I work you know I work um with Bill and Bob, the executive producers on the show, and spent a lot of time with them, you know, as they were talking about various story ideas that they had and helping them, you know, discussing those ideas, helping them take shape, helping participate, you know, on Star Wars, it's a little bit different because I have some of this knowledge of what's going on in other parts of the franchise that I can bring to the table, Um, being able to talk about 
what might be the most compelling way into the story, how we may want to use a character, how that sort of suits their vision for what they feel they're trying to accomplish in a particular story, um, help come up with ideas in the writer's room and be part of that process and a real facilitator there. You know, the fun thing about being a producer is it's not really the same job twice, right, especially on the creative end of it. So. Mm-hmm. You're really looking to figure out what are the tasks that, how can you be most supportive to the process in front of you? How you can be supporting your creators? How can, you know, in this case, how can you be bringing to the table what is good for Star Wars and be thinking about that more broadly across, you know, whether it's a a movie or a TV show or a book, you know? And, And I think the other thing that in this particular role we're able to do is help make connections, right? Which is to say that, oh, I know that we have an episode of Rebels coming up where Hondo does this. And, oh, that will be really cool that even though we're planning on different timelines, we can put him in, you know, this story over here and think about those ways to cross-pollinate. And then I think on a deeper level, on the story level, you know, always working to help support some of the thematic ideas that we're trying to get across and then think about some of the things that are important, especially for young viewers and thinking from their point of view, what do they want to get out of Star Wars, right? What is it really important that we're setting up in any particular episode and how is it going to be relevant to them as a kid, you know, now in 2016, as it was to us as kids, you know, in the seventies and the eighties and nineties and Right? <laughs> and speaking of Hondo, thank you, by the way, by putting Hondo and Maz together in one scene. That was just amazing. So are there other like characters or elements that you're looking to explore as you pursue the series, as you move forward with the series? Yes, I can't tell you what <laughs> who all of those characters are, but I think, you know, one of the things that we try to be really mindful of and you know again back to your earlier question about being a fan one of the things that is really fun for us to play in this way and to think about for all of us as fans and I think you know you've probably gotten this from Bill and Bob if you see them online and whatnot is you start to think about what do you want to play with like what things are going to delight you when you see characters intersect or what storylines do you want to see these other characters participate in or how much better does it make it for you when you were like oh that person knows that person over there that's so great right that there's that connection that you get to see some things that you that you don't expect um i think that's one of the best parts of this job and so you know when we're looking at those stories and thinking about what goes into you know a particular season really working with uh, working with the whole team, you know, with everyone at Lego as well, and with Leland and, and uh, with another executive here, Josh, and, and really thinking about, okay, so we know that we know that we're gonna, you know, air more content in this time, or we know that we're gonna have, you know, episodes, the next few episodes align with some other story we're doing. How fun would it be for this character to pop in, or that character to pop in, you know? And, and it's a really it's a really fun process and way of cross-pollinating that I, I hope that we get to do more of, but we're definitely super mindful of that, which is how does it make it feel, especially in the Lego space, how do you get to feel that sense of play and that sense of joy of, of these different characters that you love from different parts of the franchise coming together? Were you like a, a Lego collector growing up? Did you play with the, the sets and, and build the sets? You know, in my in my day, I'm not that old, but in my day, I did play with Lego, but it wasn't what it is now necessarily, right? Um, I probably built some really ugly houses, and so it wasn't in the, the the licensing era. The first thing I did when I took on the job of working on this show was build a bunch of Lego sets. So if you were to look in my office 
right now uh, I have a ton of Lego that I have been building because for me it was really important creatively to understand and, and think about and be connected to that process, right, that process of creation, that process of building when you think about a lot of the humor that comes from Lego and just as a way of understanding it. So, of course, I have the ghost um, sitting right in front of me and I have Pose X wing in front of me and I, I have um, some other things that I've built basically since we started working on this project because it was really important that that I wasn't talking about it from an outsider's perspective, right? That I had the experience of doing it and playing with it myself and that I could actually feel the joy of like having my own little pong crawl minifigure and then putting him on the ghost, right? What that, what that feels like to be able to play across your different sets and to build and construct and even thinking about the things that, you know, one of, one of the best jokes and, and I love that, that they put this in, um, the team over in uh, Copenhagen will film that moment where, you know, Xander takes off his hair and shakes it out, right? <laughs> but these things are so appropriately Lego, and I think that it's really important when you're part of that creative process to understand what it means to play. Um, and it's, I think, fundamental to the to the idea behind Lego Star Wars. Yeah, and, you know, you were talking about building and, and creating, and that kind of reminds me of this recent episode that we saw, which is the maker of Zoe and how it's mm -hmm. Jack 14 from Lego Star Wars, the Yoda Chronicles. And, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's that? what was the process like in bringing that character over to the Freemaker Adventures? Well, one of the things that was really exciting to us, and, and obviously also the challenge with Rowan, I mean, when his story takes place, you know what's happening with Luke, you know what's happening with Yoda, right? And, I, and we, we started to talk about who was that right mentor figure for Rowan? Who, did he, who should he hear from? Um, and obviously I had seen all of those previous specials, and it felt like for the Lego show, the right person to show up at this moment would be Jack 14, right? And we kind of came at it from, from that need, right, from a story need, but also thematically, it felt really right to us that here was Rowan being taken advantage of by Nare, right? And Jack as well had that similar storyline. You know, he was a Sith clone. He was used by them. Um, he wanted to be left alone. He didn't want to be part of this. And it felt like for a character, for Rowan, the most healing thing for him at that moment would to be somebody, to find somebody who understands what it means to have force ability, what it means to be a builder, and would know what it's like to feel used, right, by the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And everybody was on board with that. I mean, I, I, I think the folks at Lego were really excited about that. You know, all of our counterparts over there were, were thrilled that we wanted to, to use Jack in this way and were really enthusiastic about that. And, and it felt... Again, it felt appropriate, right? The merging of the things that came before and what is now and, and finding this, um, finding, you know, integrity in this story moving forward and making sure that it would make sense for them to connect, but that it really actually felt like it was the right person to help Rowan explore what it means to be a force builder. I know when it comes to Star Wars for me, I have like my favorite characters, but then I also have the ones I relate with. Um, when it comes to the crew of the Star Scavenger, which of those characters do you feel like you relate the most with? Oh, God, Cordy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I would love to tell you something else, but it is not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> I don't know if I need to even explain that. <laughs> me, me, and, uh, me and Jonah Marie both took the quiz to see which of the Freemaker family we are, and we both got Cordy. So. Okay, good. So, so we are a whole collection of Cordys on the phone. You're, you're among <laughs> friends, yes. 
<laughs> no, it's an easy answer. <laughs> I would like to be like, oh, I'm like this bright young Jedi with a lot of possibility. At least I didn't say not what well, you said the crew of the Star Scavenger, so it wasn't going to be a Nara answer. But I definitely, I definitely have that Cordy vibe. Yeah, I'm definitely all about Nari and her credits. You know, I gotta have credits. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, this show has a perfect amount of humor, and we constantly find ourselves laughing more and more during each episode. Is there a particular scene that made you laugh uncontrollably, or that you favor? Okay, well, there's a lot. There, are, there are a lot of things that I, I think are. are hilarious about the show it's incredibly self-serving to say that right because i work on it but (laughs) one of my favorite favorite moments of the whole season i guess i should say i love uh i love everybody they do such a fantastic job but matt wood as roger just cracks me up that character keeps me laughing and one of my favorite things is when he goes to start reading his book to wick cooper oh yeah he starts out Lo, I am manufactured. I don't know. I've laughed at that line every time I've read it. I've heard it the whole way through. I mean, um, <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite moments of all time in this show. It's just, it, it's really funny. There's so many things, you know, and and this is the, the litmus test, especially for me, you know, and I've worked on comedy before. I, I came here and developed some scripts, and you always know, when it's going well, when you're quoting the work, right? And I, there are times now I'll just spin around and go bored, 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 bored. You know, the things that that, that happen in the show um, and you end up incorporating them into your everyday conversation. You're like, oh, my God, thank God. Nobody, you know, at least before the, kid, the show came out, nobody knew that that's what we were doing. But uh, it's really, there are a lot of moments like that, but I have to tell you that's probably one of my favorites. <laughs> the reading of the book. That's awesome. <laughs> I know as uh, fans of the show, one of the things that we crave is like more information about how it's created and the behind the scenes. Um, and I know there's not anything, you know, kind of online like episode guides or anything like that. Is that something we could potentially see down the road or maybe even a, like a making of book or an art of book or something like that? Well, it's not my department, but I would all be be all for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't get to make that say there, but I I do think that you know I feel like that would be super fun to make available to folks, if, especially if they are enjoying and are deeply engaged in the in the show. You know, I don't see why not, other than you know time and and resources. But I think that that would be fantastic if it was available. Hmm. I, I I know I would love one <laughs> or an episode guide like on StarWars.com. That would be amazing. Um, so you know we've seen characters and locations from films that appear in the show, and like like Mas Kanata and Taco Donna. And mm-hmm. recently we saw that Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens video game has a level pack based on C3PO's red arm called the Phantom mm-hmm. Limb. So which that was based on a Marvel comic. So we see elements of those stories appearing across different kinds of media. So what are some mm-hmm. things that you'd like to see crossover from the freemakers over to something like a novel or even a movie? Oh, wow. I actually don't know that I can answer that question <laughs> because, because if I really wanted to do it, I mean, there are probably a lot of places where I would love to see some moments of crossover, but 
I'm kind of in this odd position that if I suggest it, it may tell you or tip you off to the fact that we are doing it or are not doing it. So I'm going to have to plead the fifth. Uh, I gotcha. But uh, Roger's sand cookies definitely have to make an appearance somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. You know, as we cross back and forth between all these different storylines all day long, there's nothing that says that, you know, one one idea that we've put in in some in some particular show or some particular episode may not cross over. You know, it's, it's amazing. It, it feels like obviously when you're working in Lego or Star Wars in general, you have this amazing, um, you have this amazing galaxy, all these locations, all these characters, all these elements, you know, it's sort of like one of the, the biggest backlots ever is pulling different stories, different characters, different vehicles, right. In, into the narrative. And so when you're pulling from the same, from the same bag, who's to say what doesn't show up, you know, uh, in something else. And, and I think, again, it's fans. I think it's the kind of thing that I don't want to speak for all of the members of the story group, but I will say I think it's something that we really enjoy is that narrative relationship between, you know, all the different pieces of content that we work on. So you said you have Pose X-Wing, that set. You have the Ghost um, I know me and Jonah have talked about like kind of our set that we would love to have, but it's just kind of out of our reach, maybe too much money or an older set that's out of circulation. Do you have kind of a set out there that you would like to build that, that uh, you're looking forward to getting? I really, I don't know that I have the time right now, but I really want to build the ATTE from Rebels. <gasps> yes. Um, I love... Uh, I love, love, love the design that they had put on that, you know, with the clones living aboard. Um, I love the sort of ramshackle look of it, right, as it's become the home to those clones, and I'd really love to build that. You know, I think um, the other one that I have at home that I have not built because it is so massive is the indoor playset, the indoor set, which I'd really like to build that too, but I don't really... I don't have the time right now. Too many TV shows to make, uh, and those ones, those are those are pretty big ones, right? So you need some serious, you need some serious downtime because once you get started, you know how that is. You don't want to stop. You know, you want to keep building. In fact, there was one story meeting that we had uh, with the with the story group, not actually on the show, and we were having a lot of conversation. It was like an all day thing, and at some moment, I just sort of pulled out a Lego kit and started building there, and, and then Kira's like, oh. I know that you're on the right project. <laughs> you can't help yourself. You have to, you know, you have to have something to be doing with your hands. You have to be building something. Um, and it's super satisfying. You know, it's so funny. I, I built, uh, I started building, right, these sets as a way to inform the, my process on this show. And now it's become it's become such a hobby, right? It, it actually serves this real, <laughs> this real purpose for me. I really enjoy it. So it's nice to discover it later in life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because the two sets that you mentioned are, um, are specifically Jonah's favorite set and my favorite set. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's really weird, but honestly, that is true. Um, and we both have bought the Star Scavenger. I know. I don't know how far along you are, Jonah, but I just I'm finished. I'm bag one. <laughs> I just finished bag three, so I'm I'm making it. I'm making it through the Star Scavenger. But it's a fun set. You're making your way. I think those will probably be in my next. So I have a little boy. I have a, I have a three-year-old, and so I've tried to build some with him, and he really likes building um, some of the smaller kits with me. But he's really he's really not ready to do it yet. So I can't take them home right now because then the, it will just become 
an, uh, a total uh, nightmare. But <laughs> the Star Scavenger is on my list for the next one I build. I have it, but I haven't made it yet. Awesome. So as a woman heavily involved in television animation, what do you hope young girls will take away from your work and what you do? And what advice would you give them regarding their careers in television production? Wow. Well, (laughs) I suppose I hope that in all the stories we're telling that they see this, that they see characters in our stories that feel like it represents their experience. You know, I think I certainly felt that way when I saw Princess Leia. Right. And I know that this is true for a lot of for a lot of people who not just work here, but are huge fans of Star Wars. And I remember when I saw Star Wars and I saw her and I'm like, oh, she's a princess, but she's like me. Right. She's uh, she's in charge. She's getting things done. She's part of the the plan. She's part of the action. And so I'm hopeful that when, you know, young girls out there are participating and watching our shows um, and becoming hopefully fans of Star Wars, that they take that too. They take that meaning away when they see, you know, they could obviously be like Rowan. They can be like Xander. They can be like Cordy, right? But that they feel like there's a place where they see themselves reflected in the stories that we're telling and they see a role and a space for themselves. And I think, I think that it's true. You know, it's certainly true for me growing up that, you know, I, I loved movies regardless if the leads were, were men or women or who had made them, if it was men who made them or women who made them. But I have to tell you, when you, for me, when I was looking on that screen and I would see a name like Kathy Kennedy, what it would say to me is that I could do it too. So if it's something that you love and that you're passionate about, uh, you should pursue it. The opportunity is available to you, right? And that you can make anything happen and, and that you can be welcomed and to be a part of this, right? That, that it doesn't really have the same um, there, there are no limitations uh, because of your gender, right? That, that you have the ability to really pursue storytelling and be part of this and, and also create other opportunities for other, you know, not for just girls, but for other people to see themselves, their lives, their problems reflected in the stories that they watch. So true. Thank you so much, Carrie. Yeah, and My I know we're, we're kind of reaching the end of our time here. I just wanted to thank you for joining us. Uh, Jonah and I are both huge fans of both Star Wars Rebels and the Freemaker Adventures, and we're really looking forward to kind of seeing where those shows go and seeing you know future projects that you're able to work on as well. Well, thank you both. I really, I really appreciate you watching the shows, um, and hopefully we'll talk again. So we're back, and we're going to talk about Showdown on Hoth, which is episode 11, and it aired on August 15, and it was written by John, I want to say his name is John Bank. Okay, I was wondering about how to pronounce that. It's like, do you, is, how many of those letters are silent? I know, I don't know. (laughs) Banky, is it bank? But, um, yeah, I was thinking about that today. Um, We... We've been talking about all these episodes, but we really haven't been saying who the writer of each episode was. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't been giving them their due. They all are doing such an awesome job. They um, are. So yeah. I made it a point to find the writer, the name of the writer for this one, uh, before we, before we uh, talked about his episode. And I definitely want to give a shout out to James Bates, who did last week's episode, Maker of Zell. I believe... Um, he was the writer for that one and that was a spectacular episode and he also did I think 
he also did The Minds of Grabala. Okay. Yeah. Well, before the season's over, we will have to do a full rundown of, of every episode and who wrote it, just so we can give everybody their shout out. <laughs> so the episode starts off with action right right away. You know, you have the star scavenger being chased by Nare and Grabala. And that was very exciting because there was no moment of just the freemakers talking trying to come up with a plan it just immediately starts with them being shot at <laughs> yeah we knew that this was kind of coming we knew that um you know rowan had kind of thrown down the gauntlet there with nare and he's like yeah we're going to hoth you know we know you know we're going there they're prepared for this face-off i think um but yeah it kind of starts really cool you see the planet and you see the star scavenger and then all of a sudden you know we're right into the space action yeah, and I like the moment where Nare, not Nare, when Cordy and Rowan are in their respective gunner seats and they kind of turn around upside down as they prepare to shoot back. So that was pretty, that was a pretty cool moment of them turning upside down. I and- like how their seats in there are the the Lego piece that you, pretty much any ship that you get. Um, always has that piece that the the pilot sits in, and I like how they actually use that exact piece in the uh, in the, the the design of the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Like there's certain times where I'm watching the show and you just kind of recognize something. You know, you recognize a piece from you know a very common piece that you see in different Lego sets, and that was one that it just popped out to me. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's the seat piece. Like you, <laughs> it's across like so many sets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I love. Dengar's ship, and I think you had pointed out that it was taken from the expanded universe, correct? Yeah, Dengar in the uh, the Legends universe, uh, he always had this ship called the Punishing One, uh, kind of like uh, you know Boba Fett has Slave One. This is the Punishing One, but um, yeah, it, way back in 1996 when they released the kind of the collection of tales called the Bounty Hunter Tales, um, there was a story in there. Uh, Dengar's tale and it was I believe it was written by Kevin J Anderson and um you know so he had and it described his ship the punishing one and it eventually was fleshed out um in the card trader game they had images of it and things like that and now we're seeing it in the freemaker adventures I I remember seeing the ship go by and think wow that's like a really cool design I wonder if that is based on anything we've seen before so I did a little bit of research today and it's it's a spitting image of of um, what they had, the image that they had in the card trader game. Yeah, I um, thought that was a really cool design as well. And I'm glad you looked it up because I kind of forgot to do it myself. But I really, really enjoyed seeing him and Ram and Bash because we hadn't seen them for a few episodes. And I kind of missed their their humor there. <laughs> yeah, Nare and Grabala, you know, are not the only ones right now. I mean, they're all teaming up as one force, but, you know, we get to see... Dengar and Ram and Bash and they each one of them have kind of their own ships as well so there's a almost a little fleet of ships going after the star scavenger right now they're they're a bit outnumbered yeah yeah and one of the thing one of the things that Cordy says uh that you highlighted here was we're only talking about the fate of the galaxy here no pressure (laughs) so I thought that was a pretty neat yeah no pressure at all yeah line there and and then of course Nari ends up using the force because they enter a 
snowstorm on Hoth. And they think, oh, you know, we'll we'll lose the bad guys through this activity here, this natural activity. And unfortunately, Nare uses the force to shoot down the star scavenger and it shoots an essential piece off that starts to have them tumble down through the atmosphere. Yeah, and I like how they're showing uh, Xander as kind of a pilot, like, uh, you know, kind of a a very confident pilot. You know, he sees this storm and it, he didn't see it as danger. He saw it as a way to to actually possibly get away. Right. And so he dives down into it like, nope, this is if we can't see, they can't see either. You know, and he, he was very confident in like, you know, diving right into the clouds, which I thought was kind of cool. And then later on, we see him make that maneuver where they're about to go right into the cliff face and he, you know, he shoots upwards, which uh, is how they uh, eventually get away from. Uh, the other ships that were chasing them. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's kind of, uh, he, like, likes to talk big about, you know, his skills and, you know, things that, you know, superhero guy kind of thing. But he actually was awesome pilot guy at this moment. Yeah, he was. And I wish he would have said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> As they were heading up, you know, along the cliff. <laughs> um, and then you have Rowan, actually, before that, um, they successfully evade the cliff. They, uh, you have Rowan who uses the force to pull the ship, that missing piece, back to the ship and to stabilize them. And that was a very impressive feat on his part. You know, he was able to do that under those conditions. And I love the music that was playing as well while he was doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like admittedly not one to notice music too often. Uh, so it didn't it didn't actually stand out to me, uh, but the the scene where he you know he uses his powers his force powers to kind of pull in that that engine that had detached and reconnect it to the ship they really are starting to show and then even later on in the episode other things that he does he has really gotten this mastery of the force at least when it comes to building things yeah which fits very well into the the aesthetics of a Lego show mm-hmm. and um. What was the music, like, what about the music kind of stuck out to you that caught you in that moment? There was just a lot of, it reminded me a lot of just original, like, John Williams work. And that's what really caught my attention. And I really liked the the moment where it was very, like, when Luke or when Ezra used the Force and there's some awesome background musical cue happening in the background. Right. It was it was just like that. Okay. I'll have to go back and look for it um, and, and try to catch that. I do really enjoy the music of the show, but I think the the thing that really sticks out to me is always whenever they use that that kind of Freemaker theme. Yeah. When it comes out and uh, they, they start playing that theme that you hear at the beginning and the end of the episodes. Um, it's a really cool theme that stands out to me as much as any of the themes in star wars you know as soon as i hear it i'm like oh freemakers you know, it's, <laughs> it's got that cool sound i like it when uh when a character or a, a group of characters like that have kind of that signature theme yeah and i definitely played out later on during their like big confrontation battle that happens on hoth so um but before that we have them landing Sort of landing, <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> on a big patch of ice, and uh, Xander and the team they leave the ship and they decide to help Rowan find this piece of the Kyber saber, and 
you know, one of the things that he says is free makers fly together or they don't fly at all. And I, I love that line. I think that's something that uh, Leland Chi had mentioned to us as a possible way of closing our show. So I thought it was that I was just like, yay, finally, we finally get is. to find out where it is. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, there it is. That's the line. Um, and that was kind of in reference to, I think at this point, uh, Rowan is really starting to feel like he's putting his family in danger. That's right. Yeah. And he's, so he keeps suggesting, you know, this is my fault or I need to kind of go on my own at this point. Um, cause he, he's really, he, he, not that he doesn't want to be with his family. He just wants them to be safe and he knows that he's bringing all this danger on them. Um, so I think that, and that, so this line is specifically in response to, you know, kind of that attitude that's coming out of him right now. And his family's like backing him up saying, no, like you can't go on your own. Freemakers fly together or they don't fly at all. Right. Uh, so it's a really perfect line. Yeah, and then that's when, you know, they come out with the the cool snowsuits. Yes. And very fashion forward. <laughs> yeah, they have these like they have the overalls that um that Xander used as a disguise at the Emperor's uh museum. And yeah. now they have these snowsuits. They have they must have this whole closet somewhere in there with all these cool outfits that they're just <laughs> waiting to to show off. But yeah, this they were really cool. I, I want to get that parka. I need that jacket, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it seemed very fluffy. Get like hot topic on that or something. <laughs> and and then Roger decides to stay behind because otherwise his parts and his hydraulics would freeze over. And so he decides to stay behind. He's told to stay behind for his own benefit. And of course the heating units aren't up to code. They're not great. And so he ends up using the sublight engines to uh to heat himself up there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um yeah, he he says he's too cold to go along, which I guess Freemakers Fly Together doesn't apply to Roger. He can <laughs> he can stay behind if he wants. Um but but I like the line where um where Xander's like Freemakers freeze together or they don't freeze at all, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was a good follow-up. But yeah, Roger use I like how Roger kept you know, he's impressing himself, you know, kind of like, "Oh, you know, maybe if I turn the engines on." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, genius." Genius, you know, he keeps calling himself a genius in this moment, uh, but quickly we realize that it wasn't wasn't really a genius move to turn on the engines when you're sitting on top of a layer of ice. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then we switch on over back to the bad guys who had ended up crashing against the cliff, and they're trying to get their vehicles out. And Nara is trying to pinpoint where the Freemakers are. And you have Gravala in the background. I just really love this line that he said where he, he said, yeah, I'm loaded with anxieties. I've got anxieties like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I had to go back and watch it because I was too busy laughing to like write it down. <laughs> Plus he's got the, like, the coolest outfit. I mean, if you can, if you can call anything a, a hut wears an outfit. He's got the uh, got the, the snow hat and the scarf, you know, almost like you would see if you bought like a Jabba the Hut like Christmas ornament. Yeah, like that's the type <laughs> of you know clothes he would be wearing. I thought that was pretty funny. And did you notice what was on his his little snow hat? What little creatures were on there? Oh, I didn't. I didn't notice there was a design on it. Yeah, there was a design with little tauntauns. Oh no way! Yeah. <laughs> it's like they come prepared with all these awesome accessories <laughs> right yeah just in case yeah just in case we go to a cold planet but... <laughs> and i love that at one point he says that it's it's more fashion than functional <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought you would appreciate that 
being yeah. a fashion <laughs> fan. Yeah. We all yeah, do that sometimes where you, you wear something that's not necessarily functional. It's all about the fashion. But <laughs> who, <laughs> yeah. who knew that hut crime lords thought the same way? <laughs> and so back to the Freemakers, they're inside that cave. And it's kind of scary. You know, it's freezing on top of it. And there's something following them, something with ominous yellow eyes. And you're thinking, oh, gosh, what sort of, you know, creature they're going to introduce. And I thought with the way that it was, they were setting it up. I thought it was some sort of creature that might end up being um, harmful to them. And it turned out to be the cutest baby wampa ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. A very a very good part of this episode, baby wampa. <laughs> yes. Which we need a name. We need like an official name for this baby wampa. Mm-hmm, baby wampa. But mm. yeah, it was it was very cool. Like you see the glowing eyes. And at first, because we had talked about this episode and kind of do it, we made a few predictions on what might show up in this episode. And one of the things that we both were talking about was the possibility of a wampa showing up. And we're like, oh, that would be really cool. Now, we neither of us said anything about a baby wampa. No. <laughs> so when they see this little creature in the cave with the glowing yellow eyes, I was like, okay, that's not a wampa. It's too short. <laughs> you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's some other creature. And then it pops out and it's a little baby wampa. I was like, aww. Oh, it's so <laughs> cute. It was sort of like Kitwar from Star Wars Rebels. So every episode has kind of my laugh out loud moment. The one that kind of just catches me off guard and I find myself literally laughing out loud. Um, some episodes have multiple moments. This one had that for me and it was the moment where the Freemakers are walking into the cave and they see all the crystals up on the, the roof and it's like glowing and they all kind of are in awe. You know, they're like, oh, and then and the little womp is like, ah. You know? <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> I crack. I could not stop laughing. That was so funny. I just didn't expect it. You know, you hear like the different characters kind of like, ah, and then you hear his little ah, which <laughs> it was perfect. So good. I love that. And actually the second time around, I like, like focused on the wampa and the little baby wampa. And there was a, a scene later on where he or she, I'm not exactly sure. They raised their hands up to, for for Xander to pick them up, and it was so so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so then you have the Kyber Saber crystals hidden in this massive uh, roof with of crystals and or of ice crystals. And what's pretty cool is that Xander reminds him, like, it'd be pretty awesome if you could actually call to it just like it, how it calls to you <laughs> and he's like i didn't never thought of that <laughs> <laughs> that would have saved him a lot of trouble in a couple of previous episodes yeah <laughs> but these these jedi these six jedi that um what was his name baird Cantu, he gave the six crystals to them to go hide i mean they really went out of their way to hide these things they did <laughs> like Putting it up in a crystal, you know, in a like an ice crystal cave, kind of hiding it among there, and you know, it was uh, it's pretty impressive. They're, that was actually a very good hiding spot. They would be nah. good at like Easter egg hiding. Yeah, <laughs> they would be. <laughs> Queen Amidala's hair, not so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, they put one in like a statue, like in a statue's eyeball, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in. The... I want like a like a Marvel comic one shot where we get the story of, of these six Jedi and kind of like them all going out and finding these really cool places to hide these crystals. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> and the adventures that, you know, maybe that that could be a whole series. That doesn't even have to just be a one-off. That could be a whole series. Give us six issues, one about each each of the Jedi, 
and and what kind of adventures they went on to go hide these crystals. How about I email Marvel and suggest that they do this? <laughs> yeah, story group listener. You know, we if you if you're on the story group and you happen to listen to our podcast, <laughs> just throwing out ideas here. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And unfortunately for the Freemakers, the cave starts to crumble upon getting that one Kyber Saber crystal. So they have to rush out of there before they get buried underneath all of the rubble. Yeah, which didn't turn out to be too big of a problem because Rowan has that lightsaber. So they they did get kind of covered in stuff, but he cut their way out. Yeah, and then Xander got covered by that little baby Wampa. (laughs) Right, hiding in the hood. (laughs) <laughs> and he says, for a thing covered in fur, he sure got cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> Another great line. And then we get the reveal of, okay, now we get the real, the big Wampa shows up. That's um, right. And kind of tracking them down. So I'm guessing it's mom or dad. I'm kind of thinking mom. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking mom as well. <laughs> and, of course, they find Roger, a frozen Roger, but no star scavenger. And Cordy suspects that something... Something is linked here. <laughs> right. <the> two. <laughs> and poor Roger can only say genius because his language uh, motors, I think it was, they weren't working. They weren't processing well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, which leads to, you know, a lot of uh, fun later on in the episode. But yeah, he's, his voice processor, how they explained it, you know, is frozen and he can only say the, the, the one word, I guess the last <laughs> word he said before it froze. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> <laughs> but he had enough ability to point downward so they could find the star scavenger, at least know where it's at. They they can't get to it because it's it's under this frozen, you know, layer, this this frozen lake. Um, but they at least know where it's at, um, where they can hopefully get it later. Yeah. And in the meantime they have to find some shelter. It's freezing. So Rowan spots this possible base where they can find some heat. And lo and behold, we find our two favorite characters. <laughs> yes, Durpin and Plume Striker. And we were talking about this, like, what's going to happen with Durpin now? You know, he kind of demoted himself to Ensign, but is it going to really stick? Because the Emperor that, you know, that said that he was a Ensign isn't, wasn't really the Emperor. But I guess it stuck. Yeah, it did. <laughs> he is Ensign Durpin. I was so happy that they followed up on that. They did, and and then poor Bloom Striker is sub ensign. Sub ensign, right? When I heard that, I that was my laugh out loud. Yes, yes, this was another one for me as well. Perfect. I mean, these characters, I love the cast of characters they've given us in this show, and the the recurring characters. I'm glad that you know they they introduced us to Ram and Bash, and it wasn't just a one off. You know, they keep coming back. Uh, Dengar keeps coming back. Now we have Durpin and Plume Striker who have been in multiple episodes. It's I love how the, this stuff. It, these characters aren't just one-offs. You know, they they they're part of the overall story over and over. Yeah, yeah. And then Ensign Durpin is drinking something that you had to point out, and I just laughed while reading our notes because it's such an interesting thing to point out <laughs> that, that he was drinking calf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> calf is one of those Star Wars terms that you, you either love or you hate it. There's so many people out there that just kind of roll their eyes when it comes up. I love it. I think it's a great term that kind of, you know, was born in Legends, I believe, and, and has kind of made its way into canon now. We've had, um, I believe, 
Rebels, I don't know if it's ever been said out loud in Rebels, but I know that they have referred to, you know, what the characters are drinking as calf um, yeah. in the in the the episode guides. And then mm. in the the new canon novels, they've had it, and so now it's it's now it's shown up in Freemaker Adventures. They they said calf out loud on a TV show, which I thought was pretty fun. <laughs> I love that they have hot chocolate. That's something that yes. they have there. Yeah, mm-hmm. hot chocolate is another thing, another <laughs> Star Wars thing. Uh, the hot drinks in Star Wars: hot chocolate and calf. <laughs> and you know, luckily they they find this base but of course the the two ensigns and sub ensign and sub ensign won't let them come in but they they decide to go in anyway right and and plume striker wants to arrest them whereas derpin wants to just toss them out he doesn't want anything to do with the rebels <laughs> yeah plume striker is kind of seeing this as derpin's opportunity you know hey this is your way to climb back up the ladder and derpin's like i don't want to climb back up the ladder i'm already no. at the bottom this is where i want to be it makes me wonder if his parents like forced him into the academy. <laughs> right. He had no desire to be a part of this. And it he found I mean of all the places he finds this place on Hoth which is an abandoned base, you know. There's no reason really for anyone to be there anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> he finds the perfect situation where he's going to be out of the action, doesn't have to worry about anything and the freemakers keep bringing him back in. Yeah, yeah, and actually, one thing that I remembered that Plume Striker said he was reading a poster with Palpatine on it with Darth Sidious, and you know he was reading it out loud, and it said, "Come join the Empire uh, and see our tropical planets before we destroy them," or something to that to that effect. I just cracked up. <laughs> yeah, you see that big poster there, and they kind of zoom in on on the Emperor's face. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all in Arabesh as well, which I'm glad I didn't have to translate it. They translated it for us. <laughs> but yeah, Plume Striker was like, oh, I would love that. You know, I'd love to go see planets before they're destroyed. But <laughs> instead, he get, keeps getting stuck with Derpin, who doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, they start fighting each other. They're um, going at it. And the Wampa decides to do something about it because I think they had shot towards the group. So the wampa, the little baby wampa goes bites off, <laughs> not off completely, but bites his knee, Derpin's knee, and pushes the little baby wampa back. And then that's when the big mama wampa shows up. I love that we got such a cinematic scream <laughs> from Derpin as well. Yeah. When he bites the leg and you get the camera angle above as he's like, he's raising his head. <laughs> ah, like, I just thought that was so good. <laughs> It's like replaying in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then we get the wampa that shows up, which I think it's the mom, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, protecting her cub, and so she she quickly runs uh plume striker and uh, derpin off out of the base, which gives the freemakers uh some some breathing room. Yeah, yeah, to start thinking of a plan because now the bad guys are on their way. And they start to work on some of the equipment that's been left around, like the snow speeder. And even Rowan puts back an AT-AT together using the force. And I thought that was pretty neat because it kind of reminded me of the whole thing that Jack was teaching him of, you know, be a builder and start building things. And that's what, essentially what he was doing. Yeah. And we had talked about before the possibility of them kind of coming across some of the wreckage of these old, you know, vehicles. And so they they did. It's and it was really cool to see that him build this 
this entire ATAT uh, to the point of it actually functioning. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just there kind of looking nice. They actually got inside and used it as a weapon, um, <laughs> which is pr- something I did not expect. I kind of expected to see, you know, broken pieces of them laying around, but to actually see one in action was something I was not expecting, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Grabala and Nare end up uh, facing those forces. Uh, I think Rowan and Xander were in the snowspeeder and Cordy and uh, Roger were in the ATAT, and uh, they unfortunately for Grobala, his ship comes crashing down. And but that happens to scoop out the snow, the uh, star scavenger out of the the frozen lake. So now they have access to their ship again. Yeah, and as Grobala's ship's crashing, I love the scene where he's kind of like trying to hold on for dear life on the inside. And he's like, does this thing have safety cushions? (laughs) And you have little Yeppo go by, nope. (laughs) I was like, yes, Yeppo got a line. (laughs) And, um, you know, actually, when you had texted me earlier and you said, yep, I kind of imagined Yeppo saying yep. Yep. I'm just going to start including an image of him anytime I say yep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then Nari ends up shooting down poor Rowan and Xander, and they end up ejecting themselves to safety. Um, and then Cordy takes this opportunity to shoot down Nari. She's like, I've been waiting to do this. <laughs> <laughs> She's been up and down, up and down relationship with Nare. And she yeah. didn't like her at all at the, fir- at the beginning. And then she's kind of like, oh, she's not so bad. And now she's like, all right, now's my chance. I'm going to take her out. <laughs> and and then Nare, you know, you kind of think, oh, no, they took down Nare. Obviously not. But I did, for a, mi- I did for a second. Yeah. The way they kind of they show her ship crashed in the snow and they, they kind of they linger on it just long enough where you're thinking, OK, she's going to come out. And then she doesn't. And then they all celebrate. And so I'm like, oh, wow, like. They just killed off Nare. <laughs> like, what are they going to do the next two episodes? Is there going to be a new bad guy introduced? I'm like, my mind's reeling. I'm thinking of all this in like a, in a split second. And then <laughs> then she's still alive. So I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. She comes out very angry and she starts to summon the uh, like an avalanche to come towards Cordy and her ATAT. And she manages to escape that. So that's good. Because I thought for a second something was going to happen to Cordy. I'm like, oh, gosh. One of the freemakers is gonna fall. <laughs> you know, I start thinking like in terms of Star Wars Rebels right. and Star Wars: The Clone Wars, like who will fall? Who this will season? fall? <laughs> <laughs> who and, will be unbuilt? Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. And then Nare, she is furious, and she's talking, and I forget what exactly she's saying, and all of a sudden she's trampled over. <laughs> by Durpin and Plume Striker as well as the two Wampas. <laughs> right. Just when it starts to get a little serious. Yeah. It brings you that. back into this Lego world. You're like, oh yeah, this is this is supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Totally killing her moment. It was right. awesome. <laughs> oh man, that was great. <laughs> like I I was watching it at work because I had a block of time and I remember cracking up out loud. <laughs> At my desk. <laughs> so this gives the Freemakers a chance to kind of escape again. They are able to kind of run off at least far enough away from her that they're not in, in immediate danger. And they're, they're kind of trying to figure out what to do. And um, this kind of gives a moment for Rowan to kind of fall back into that thinking where he's like, you know, I'm bringing 
danger to my family. And Nari gives him a tempting offer. She's like, hey, if you if you give me that last Kyber Saber crystal, then maybe your family will survive this. They may survive. Right. She doesn't give it for sure, but um, and he actually considers it. You can tell it's yeah. not. You know, ultimately he doesn't do it, but um, yeah, he does consider it. Yeah, it definitely weighs on him the fact that his sister and brother are constantly in danger because of him, and uh, and then Cordy is kind enough and smart enough to remind him that. You know, if they decide to go home, there won't be a home to go to because once they put that saber together, nobody's going to be safe. And uh, and I love that Xander said she can kiss a sarlacc. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and Rowan, he's you know he comes up with something quick and ingenious, and it's to give her what looks like the saber crystal but it actually is a glowing piece of ice (laughs) yeah so it's pretty obvious like he you know they decide they're not gonna give it to her but then you see him go out and hand her something so us as viewers were like all right he's not gonna really give her the crystal and so i think you probably would agree with me here it was pretty obvious that he was giving her a piece of ice right oh yeah yeah i knew that it was something to to trick her long enough for them to be able to actually escape but then when she starts doing the whole like forcing and they start flying around and then they all connect and the saber lights up. I'm like, wait, like what? <laughs> for a set for a split second, I was like, wait, did they actually give it to her? Like maybe there's another plan or, you know, something that they're going to come back and try to take it from her. But then it all kind of fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> but for just that split second when it lit up, I was like, oh, <laughs> she <Yeah>. has it. <laughs> and I love that. Ram and Bash, they're there, and they obviously point out that it's just ice. And one of them said, you need to rethink how you use the word awesome. And the other one says, yeah, you're robbing it of its meaning through overuse. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's pointed. Like I know it wasn't, but I feel like that was pointed towards me because I say awesome for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was definitely a funny line. (laughs) <laughs> um, for the, the ice thing though, this will be my nitpick moment for the episode because I thought it was a little bit of a cheat that he, he tricked her with this piece of ice, but the ice was conveniently glowing like a Kyber Saber crystal. And I was like, I was thinking where, like, where did he find that piece of ice that, that it was glowing? Yeah. Well, I kind of, I, I thought the same thing too. And then when I rewatched it, you know, when they looked up at the ceiling and they saw all these other glowing like crystals, it, the the possibility was there, you know, I guess yeah. Hawk has like very glowy crystals, Lumin- <laughs> ice crystals. Luminescent water that turns into ice. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, you're probably spot on there as far as um, the crystals, the ice crystals on this planet, I guess, do glow. But um, I thought when they first came into that cave and you saw that kind of glowing, that glowing effect, I thought it was because of the light that was coming down through the ceiling of the cave. That's true. That was causing that effect. Um, So, yeah, I was just like, that was my one little nitpicky moment because I was like, of course she fell for it because you kind of cheated on the animation. (laughs) It it shouldn't have been glowing if it's just a piece of ice. I wonder. Yeah, maybe maybe they decided to mold something in the back. <laughs> yeah, they put like a little little light, uh, LED light or something in there. <laughs> and and of course the freemakers take this opportunity to escape with their lives, and uh, they head back to the Star Scavenger, and 
you know, they appear to be safe at the moment and they really can't go back home. They can't go back to the wheel and resume their work because Nari will come after them. So they're like, you know, pick a home, you know, anywhere we can find a home and make a home out of it. And Rowan has something else planned. He doesn't he doesn't exactly agree with what's happening. Yeah, he takes Roger and he runs. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> it's really sad to see like kind of this all going down this way. And it, it's going to be interesting to see um, how that plays into the final two episodes of the season. Yeah. You know, as the yeah. family, they've been such a tight family this entire time. And now, you know, kind of his way of thinking like he's going to protect them. He's kind of splitting the family apart. Right. And it's not, it's interesting because you think about people like Anakin who wants to protect the people he loves and he will go to length, any lengths to be able to protect them. And then you have this, you have Rowan who would actually, who's trying to do the same. And instead of keeping them close and not letting anything happen to them, he's actually just leaving and, you know, sacrificing that, that bond, that relationship to be, you know, far away and keep them out of danger by that, by doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Rowan would probably draw the line at killing younglings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't compare Rowan to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> uh, I killed at younglings. No, oh, I'm yeah. thinking back to uh, SNL Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I my the funny thing about that Jimmy Fallon skit is um, I watched it after. Um, seeing the movie and then I, I was watching with my brothers my brothers you know are big SNL fans and now anytime I watch episode three with my brothers it is ruined that that whole part is ruined because they just quote lines from SNL the whole time I'm like this is one of the most serious parts of the Star Wars saga please respect it do not quote SNL while I'm watching Revenge of the Sith please I actually do that too. <laughs> I will never watch Revenge of the Sith with you then. <laughs> I know. I always do like the whole barbecue sauce and the whole Sith thing back and forth. <laughs> I'm terrible. Flippy, flippy, flippy. <laughs> lava, lava, lava. <laughs> no, my rule is you can joke about it all you want, but if I'm watching the movie, it's off limits. It's a serious <laughs> affair. <laughs> Alrighty, so I guess we're done with this review, correct? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't have anything else really. Um, I think we covered it all, so I think we're good. But um, yeah, this is a good episode of Star Scavengers here. We got an awesome interview, a fun review here, and then we only have two episodes of Freemaker Adventures left this season. That's just craziness to me. I know we're already we're already at the point of starting to talk about you know what are we going to do after. I know. And we just and need I, that announcement that there's going to be a season two. That's what I really I, want. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Like, that would totally make my day. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I guess we're good to wrap up. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of Star Scavengers. As usual, you can find us on iTunes. Um, if you haven't left us a review yet, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash starscavengers, Twitter, at starscavengers. You can send us an email, starscavengers at gmail.com. And actually, a perfect email to send us would be, you know, with the Freemaker Adventures wrapping up, 
Uh, we're going to be looking for some other Lego Star Wars things to you know talk about. I know there's a lot of things that have come out previously. So if you have like your favorite Lego Star Wars thing that you'd like to hear us talk about or like to hear us review, send us an email and let us know what, what that is. Um, and you can always find our episodes at our website, www.starscavengers.com. And until next... Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Okay. I thought maybe that was your Roger impression you were I know, about. it was not. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, be a builder and don't mess with the Freemakers. Makers.